For UT Tyler Radio, I'm Mike Landis. Beginning in 1987, March has been National Women's Month to recognize and celebrate the extraordinary achievements of American women. April will be Jazz Appreciation Month. UT Tyler's Associate Professor of Saxophone and Jazz, Dr. Sarah Roberts, thought it might be a good idea to celebrate the contributions of women in both of those areas, and she's our guest today. Welcome. Thank you. Now, tell us more about celebrating women in jazz. What's your idea about how to do that? Sure. Well, my idea is to not only play my saxophone as a female jazz artist, but to play the music written by some important women um, jazz musicians that have spanned the history of jazz. And how are you going to do that? Have you got some sort of a program? I do. I'm presenting a recital on March 30th at 7.30 p.m. in Braithwaite Recital Hall. And it will feature uh, compositions by women in jazz. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the comp- composers of the pieces and a little bit about women's contributions in jazz. So um, one of the composers that I'm playing, Melba Liston, she is a jazz trombonist from the early 1900s. And, um, and my program spans from there to um, jazz saxophonist Alexa Tarantino, who's currently in her you know late 20s New York saxophonist. So it's, it really spans the gamut of female jazz musicians. The saxophone is your musical weapon of choice, other than Dutch saxophonist Candy Dulfer, who toured with Prince in 2004 as performer with Pink Floyd. I wasn't aware of how many extremely talented and respected female artists there were. Mm -hmm. That's true. You know, uh, women have always played a role, not just in jazz, but in in music in general. And especially in our history books of jazz, they... very frequently get left out, especially the instrumentalists. Um, we commonly think of our women vo- jazz vocalists like Billie Holiday or Sarah Vaughn, um, but we leave out those instrumentalists that played not only an instrumental part in developing the genre and the music, but also just some of the nuts and bolts to to have jazz gain popularity. And um, One of my favorite stories is about Little Harden Armstrong. She um, Grew up in Chicago. She was a jazz pianist, and she played with King Oliver's band. And uh, King Oliver was a, a really important band leader that a lot of young musicians would get their start with him. And so he uh, is kind of noted for, you know, giving Louis Armstrong his start. And we've all heard of Louis Armstrong, and we we know what an influential figure he's been in jazz. He actually met Lil Hart and Armstrong through King Oliver's band, and uh, they performed together and ended up marrying each other. And not only did Lil Hart um, kind of serve as you know, his musical partner, but she was also his business partner and billed him as the world's greatest trumpeter and helped him form his Hot 5 and Hot 7 band and um, even helped write some of the music that his uh, band would play. Was the handkerchief her idea? (laughs) I'm not sure. That's the classic picture that you have Mm -hmm. of Louis Armstrong with the trumpet and the the handkerchief. Exactly. No, it's it's. And really interesting that, you know, women play this integral role, but we commonly think of jazz as being this, you know, male art form that women weren't doing, but they actually were. If we look back at World War II, you know, men were off fighting and women were holding down the fort and a lot of all female bands were started. The International Sweethearts of Rhythm is one of the most famous all female bands that was actually integrated. It was actually one of the first jazz organizations to have integration. And so they, they toured nationally um, and, and kept the music going, kept the style going, you know, and, and uh, it's really, really interesting when we read our history books, 
to know that this happened, but why isn't it in there? Why isn't it there? You know, um, there's... Um, Wait a minute. That's your next book, isn't it? Oh, there you go. Exactly. Or my podcast. Or your podcast. <laughs> um, there's a woman named Hazel Scott, and she was a jazz pianist. And she grew up in New York. Uh, she, Her mom was friends with Billie Holiday and Lester Young, ran in some really cool crowds. Yes. And so um, when Hazel was 13, her mom got her a gig playing at um, the Roseland Ballroom. Huh. And she had to follow the Count Basie Orchestra. Follow? Follow. How do you follow the Count Basie Orchestra? But she did. And she ended up, because Billie Holiday was an influence and friend, she was a vocalist and a pianist. And, you know, she's probably the most famous and performed for the largest crowds, but we don't know her name. She's not a household name, but Count Basie is and Billie Holiday is. It's really, really fascinating. I love backstories. That's Mm -hmm. so great. How did you happen to pick the saxophone? I I mentioned Candy Dulfer. Isn't that one of your first influences? Well, yeah. um, You know, my dad, I'm a child of the 80s and I grew up um, listening my dad had a classic rock he was a classic rock fan and um, I we grew up around music my parents were amateur musicians still are and um, you know I I knew what the saxophone was I really picked it because of Sesame Street actually Uh there is a really fun you know um, episode where they went into a saxophone factory and showed how it was made. And I distinctly remember telling my mom, that's what I want to play. And so it just stuck with me. Um, but Candy Dolfer, you know, my dad came home, I had started playing saxophone. I was like fifth grade and he brought this cassette tape home of Candy Dolfer and said, here, I found a female saxophone. It's because even, you know, growing up in band, I, I didn't have a lot of female role models. Um, I did have some female band directors, but as far as saxophone went, I didn't have a lot. And quite frequently, even now, when we are thinking about bringing in a guest artist or we're thinking about, you know, bringing in somebody to be featured or even the posters that we hang on our walls of famous musicians, they tend to be male musicians. That's the the narrative that I, I really feel is changing, but it's taken a, a lot of effort. Um, I'm really excited. The tunes that I'm um, playing at, on my recital are all coming from this project that started um, with Terry Lynn Carrington. Terry Lynn Carrington is a jazz drummer. Um, she lives in New York. She teaches in Berkeley. And she started um, this institute. I'm going to flip my page so I get it right. It's the Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice at Berkeley College of Music. That sounds um, like something from Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, but it's really shining a light on, like we're talking about, all of these stories of women who played an integral role in jazz, but we haven't heard about their stories or they're not mainstream. And so she actually published, um, earlier this year, she published a book that is all lead sheets of, it's a hundred jazz tunes written by women. And so all of the pieces that I'm playing are coming out of that book. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And your book, I mean, by the time you get your book and podcast out, it'll be fantastic. Our final concerts for UT Tyler Jazz are happening in April. Um, So our final big band concert is April 20th. And so just invite everybody to that. And if they have any questions, uh, come to uttyler.edu slash music or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Our guest has been UT Tyler Associate Professor of Saxophone and Jazz, Dr. Sarah Roberts. To find out more about Girls Don't Play Jazz, you'll find a link on our website, kbut.org. And there you'll also find this interview to hear again or to share. I'm Mike Landis for UT Tyler Radio.